Wait, that's a thing? Never heard of it. Oh, you have no idea. This is Haven Space, a safe place for fantasies. Brought to you by sex coach and researcher Sarah Perry. Hi, folks. This is Sarah Perry, and welcome back to Haven Space. Today, we are going to be talking about mashalagnia or armpit fetishes. By the end of this podcast, you should know uh, what this fetish entails, a little bit of history about it, how to find it, how to go about making it happen for yourself with all of the consent, respect, and pleasure that our bodies are worthy of. Before we get started, we should also talk about the fact that this is an overlap with axillism, which is armpit intercourse, which is really, really, really phallic-centered. This has to do very much with the culture of penis and vagina because armpit intercourse is about inserting a penis into the armpit concavity and and kind of fucking that area, right? So yeah, this is definitely launching off from the mindset of what do you do with your penis? Can you put your penis in a thing, right? Um, which is not really something that I tend to focus on very much. Penis and vagina sex is a very traditional way to think about sex. Sex is so many other things. It also has an overlap with trichophilia, which is a fetish of hair, particularly armpit hair, but you could have fetishes for different kinds of hair, like pubic hair, uh, hair on your head. It is considered a type of partialism, which is an obsession or attraction to a specific part of the body. And that is really what I have been focusing on in the last few podcasts, right? We've been talking about all of these different areas of your body, your teeth. We've been talking about uh, feet and all of these things end up being part of partialism because we're kind of breaking somebody down into just the specific part that we're obsessed with. Now, this type of fetish is really common in when it has to do with the obsession of the armpit of a feminine presenting person or a woman. Most of the time, women don't have this fetish as much as men, but that is what we can say for most fetishes. It is mostly male presenting people, people that live a masculine role that have fetishes and that obsess over these things that are traditionally non-sexual. And again, who says that they're non-sexual, right? But there are some similarities with some fetishes that women have, or women presenting, female presenting people, to men. And one of those things is going to be odors and smells. And it tends to be that we all across the board, it doesn't matter how you present yourself, enjoy other people's smells and, and the pheromones of the people around us. One interesting thing that I found out that I will touch on later is the fact that pheromones are not found in people, at least not in a way that scientists can undeniably say that we have pheromones. They haven't been able to find, oh, this is a pheromone. And that the pheromones that we think are from people and that we buy to put on our bodies, some some perfumes in some sense actually have pheromones in them, like the pheromone musk is actually musk from a deer. So it is a deer pheromone. I found that really interesting because in my research, it's never come up that pheromones are not a thing for people. They haven't been discovered in people. But I will break that down a little bit later in a better way. 
The colloquial term for um, having armpit sex for axillism is bagpiping. So that's pretty freaking hilarious. Whoever came up with that, I'm going to say they are funny. But it makes perfect sense, right? The This type of fetish is also linked to hair or having hair stubble much more than it is linked to just a clean clean shaved armpit and um, someone that has like no smell at all. But obviously everyone is attracted to a few different things um, on their own. Alex Comfort, who is a writer, he calls it the woman's bouquet. He says that the smell and pheromones that come out of your armpit are very unique and that are almost comparable to those of someone's pussy and like they can um drink up and inhale all of the different odors that you have and all of these different hormones that you are putting off there was actually a havelock ellis study that found that smelling your own armpits temporarily can boost your energy which is really freaking interesting and has nothing to do with an armpit fetish. It's not sexualized at all, but I had to put that in there because don't you want to know that? So if you need an energy boost and you can't get to a cup of coffee, just give yourself a good whiff and maybe you'll have the energy you need to get through your day. This fetish also has to do with kissing, tasting, tickling, smelling, a lot of times during foreplay, most of the time not to completion, asking people not to use deodorant because as we know, deodorant can change the way that our bodies produce certain um, smells that may or may not attract people. Additionally, antiperspirants themselves change our ability to get rid of toxins. Therefore, first of all, we should not be using them and they are linked to cancers. But secondly, they definitely shouldn't go in your mouth. So if you do think that you are interested in trying out or playing with armpit play, make sure you're having a conversation with your partner about the types of chemicals that they are putting on top of their skin. Because if it's going to end up in your mouth, you want to be a little more cautious about that. More on that on the safety side. Now, Freud theorized that the link between the axillary fold and the vaginal folds had to do with like psychologically the way we perceive these folds of skin as something innately sexual. Therefore, it was natural to have um, some attraction to these kind of curvy folds of skin. If we think about it, there is not much of our body that has these little folds that happen on their own. They also carry a ton of scent glands and Freud's only controversy, I guess, the only kind of qualm he had with this attraction was the fact that people would be using armpits to completion, to be the final goal. And that idea, that concept of policing someone's orgasm is a very common thread in psychology, something that I talk about all the time, but it's like you're allowed to do whatever you want sexually until it has to do with an actual orgasm. And if you're ejaculating and it's not into a vagina, then it's problematic for our species and for your psyche. And that's not true. In fact, you can have sex however you want. And if that includes that you would like to orgasm only exclusively in armpits, then and your partner is okay with that, and your partners are okay with that, there should be nothing wrong with that. Obviously, this is all this penis and vagina sex, PIV sex point of view all of the time, which is just super threaded inside of psychology. 
Now, there is some link to nasal size as symbolic of phallic size. So we use these symbols like smells and our ability to smell and how big our nose is. And that's also linked to this Renaissance idea that the bigger your nose is, the bigger your dick is, right? This phallic-centric mentality that we need to show people that we can sense strong odors because that means we have a big dick. It is something that we don't think about when we talk about how we have developed our senses of arousal and the things that motivate us to have sex our intrinsic motivation for sex, but it is epigenetic. These ideas are passed down through generations and generations and generations. And what we may think is just, oh, this is just my kink, may actually come from a lot of different preconceived ideas that we have inside of our cellular structure already. Something that we've um, accepted as a moray. That's just naturally how it is. You can't dispute it. Those masks in the Renaissance with those really long noses that then became extremely sexualized. And nowadays, if you do um, like a masquerade ball or something, those really long noses are actually a um, kind of a nod to having a giant dick. So in the future, if you want to ever get me a mask or anything, I'll take one with the giant dick. Thanks. The basis of um, armpit fetishes was in Young psychology. Young was the first person to actually write about smells and sex. Um, of course, he's one of the very early psychologists. He has the basis of um, kind of religious psychology, what I would call it, or like ethical psychology. And he didn't necessarily link it to armpits, but he did talk about the fact that we are very strongly connected to the sense of smell and these little pockets of our bodies that are odorous and how those things can affect um, our attractions. Ferre in 1902 wrote um, L'Instinct Sexuel. He was the first to link armpits with this idea from Young about smells and how this is like, this is going to be our focal point. Armpits hold all of these smells that our bodies need in order to communicate with each other. Now, think about how perfumes are a multi-billion dollar industry. Of course, it's irrefutable that smells are a huge part of our sexual experience and our sexual language to partners and even to ourselves and preparing ourselves for sex. Um, putting on a perfume, when, I, when I've talked before about ritualistic sex and how we're, we're getting it all wrong, and I have my YouTube video on that, how we're dating wrong, we're having sex wrong, because we keep telling ourselves we need to be spontaneous, we need to be spontaneous, but the ritual surrounding sex, the preparation for sex is the common thread for new relationships. Um, it is people in new relationships that spend time shaving and getting their hair done and putting on makeup and preparing their body and putting on scents and heels and picking out a nice outfit and picking out good food and good wine or good drinks. All of these things become part of the ritual that we think we get bored of in stable relationships. But in fact, we take away those rituals that get us ready, including perfume wearing when we are with a regular partner. Now, I don't love perfumes, but I could see how they are part of the ritual of getting ready. And our bodies are so connected to the rituals of smells and the, the way that smells can trigger memories and actions and emotions 
that it makes sense that people that do use perfume get used to using it regularly and then it becomes like, this is the perfume that I wear when we're gonna get jiggy. So the olfactory lobe is part of the limbic system. The, the place where you can access your smells is part of the limbic system. And that's the area where sexual thoughts and desires come from. So also it's triggering, it's triggering the same part of your brain that is saying, oh, sexual thoughts and desires. It makes perfect sense that this is where um, we're getting all these things triggered together. And that as we've managed to get a little bit more into like, neurology, we can actually see that some of these original psych theories actually pan out now that we have evidence. So some of the evidence that we have surrounding the idea of pheromones have to do with um, a specific little organ that is found in the brain called the vomeronasal organ. And we have it in our brains, but it is very small, but we don't know what it does in our brains. We can't see it do anything yet. But what it does do in non-human primates is this organ is responsible for finding and binding pheromones. So like finding a pheromone, binding it to another message and sending it through the brain to tell you what that pheromone means. Now, pheromones can mean many, many things. In the studies by the Smell and Taste Treatment Research Foundation in Chicago, Illinois, Alan Hirsch and Jason Gruss cited a bunch of different studies that had to do with men wearing masks with women's scents. We are not saying that they're pheromones. We're just saying these are smells from women, sometimes from underneath their armpits. So what they would do is they would put these little pads under women's armpits and then put them inside of masks of men and then show them pictures of different women. And they would wear masks that had these little pads and then masks that didn't have the pads with the smell to do kind of like a like a, a controlled variable experiment. And they found that the men wearing the masks with the women's underarm smell perceived images of women as more inviting, likable, like approachable. So that's really interesting that the smell of your body can make other people think that it's safe to approach you. Now, it never made them think, no smell from anybody made them think that people were less approachable, which just goes to show that our smell is inviting. Our smell is community building. Then they cited other studies that show that women in a classroom tend to sit close to strong male scents. So they did a similar study where they had these little pads under the armpits of different male presenting people, men, and they put the pads under a few random chairs in a classroom. And then they found over and over and over that women tended to sit in little groups close to those chairs. And when asked later why they picked those chairs repeatedly, they just said that just seemed like the right place to sit. So there isn't actually a thing that we can identify. It's just this feeling like this is the right place. But it wasn't like a couple of times. It wasn't a fluke. This is seen over and over and over. They even did a study where they would do the same thing with the pads of men and then use a bathroom stall and put it in one bathroom stall, all of these pads. And then found that men tended not to use that bathroom stall that already had another man's scent on it. How does that apply when you're using the bathroom, which seems to be like the most that you can impart your smell? And in fact, like animals mark with their urine? I have no idea. Maybe it's because it was they go to the toilet and not where these little pads are that kind of linger in the air. But 
what we are finding is that pheromones or these smells from our human bodies that have not been proven to be pheromones do in fact change human behaviors. They um, finished their studies by doing their own where they found that different smells actually increase penile blood flow. They use this thing called the brachial penile index, which actually measures blood flow directly to your penis without being invasive inside of your skin. And they found that every single smell increases penile blood flow. And the number one smell that they used, I think, was something like um, lavender and pumpkin pie spice. So interestingly enough, I think it was like 40% that it went up when men, people with penises, most of who identified as straight cisgendered men, um, were exposed to the smell of the combination of lavender and pumpkin spice, which I think is kind of funny. Another study by Brill talked about the fact that French kissing is a huge part of human foreplay because of the access to the person's smell, the smell of someone's breath, as in from their mouth, and their breath, as in from their nose, what they're breathing out, the smell of inside of their body. And also important to note is that our noses actually swell when we are aroused. That is part of the reason that we breathe through our mouth the same way as if you're running, you start breathing through your mouth. It's actually because your nose becomes swollen and doesn't allow enough air to come through, but it does allow an increased sense of smell, especially during ovulation. And it was found that people who were ovulating they actually had a hormone called oestradiol, which is a major estrogen that's produced just in the ovaries. And it peaks when women are ovulating, so their smell actually changes. And even inside of the same area, even inside of armpits, when you sweat, when you're exercising, your endocrine glands are the ones that are creating sweat. But when you are aroused or when you are scared, so when you're aroused or excited as far as run, fear, a type of arousal, your apocrine glands are the ones that are aroused and they're creating a different type of sweat. We talked about axillism being like actually fucking an armpit, right? The unlubricated rubbing of a penis on an armpit. Now, Sykes says that this can produce a long-term sexual desire disorder in a couple, but really that only has to do with if there is marked distress, if one of the people in the couple does not enjoy that. And based on some of the literature I was reading, it looks like it can be very enjoyable for both people. There is um, a connection between being tickled and that kind of triggering arousal in that way and feeling sexually aroused. And that is a sensation that can be produced with um, any kind of axillism as well for the person receiving and for the person giving. And then looking further into kind of the um, colloquialisms and the way that we have discussed armpit fetishes and uh, being attracted to armpits throughout history, there is a huge connection of folktales through many, many, many different cultures that have to do with um, armpits. One specifically that I read was um, an old... Alaskan native story where um, the son was the only woman in the world that had a vagina and the moon was the only man that had a penis. And so before they joined um, civilization and had sex with humans because they couldn't have sex with each other because they were siblings, they would come in and have sex with humans and he would have sex with 
a woman's armpit because that was the closest thing to a vulva or a vagina. So there are these old colloquial stories that have been told where we have already sexualized the armpit kind of historically. Um, There was a funny link, though, if you look up vagina armpit, where Jennifer Lawrence in 2014 actually said that, you know, she has some arm rolls and she has a vagina armpit. And now every time I look at the crease of my armpit, I see this little V shape from the folds of skin that obviously looks like a little vulva. And now I'm like, okay, great. Now I can't stop thinking about that. So there you go. We all have um, what she calls vagina armpits, but really vulva armpits. Aside from not needing to make ourselves feel any differently about ourselves, the real show, the real like TV show had two of the women on their host panel talk about liking the smell of men's armpits and about that being really sexual also. So this is not, like I said, something that is exclusive to men or to women's armpits, people who are considered already that they carry themselves more feminine. No, actually, the smell of people and our attraction to our partners a lot has to do with these kind of corporal smells that we have. On student chat rooms, um, I was looking online. They had chats that hinted at kind of the dichotomy of women and girls being perfumed and pretty and clean, and then it being sexy for them to be sweaty and hairy, and that being extremely attractive simply because it went against um, kind of the social norm. Another person spoke about being attracted to uh, armpits because it was this um, secret space when you're paying attention to every single part of a human's body. If you're worshiping someone's body, their armpits are this place that is easily um, overlooked and that has a lot of sensation as far as creating a response, like a tickling response and um, definitely this kind of venereal reaction. And then again, just realizing the imagery of a woman with her arms up over her head that is very, very, very sexualized. In fact, we tend not to see women with their arms up and our armpits are definitely not something that we tend to show very easily. In fact, our knees, our elbows, our hands, our ankles, our shoulders even have become much more commonplace than actually seeing somebody's armpits. So it is like a peek into something that's more private for them, almost like um, the back of somebody's neck um, that becomes almost a come hither signal. Um, So where can you find this? There are tons of websites. Obviously, FetLife has a ton of chat rooms about it. You can go to armpitfetish.com, armpit sex, look up armpit licking, girl pits, which is like the original underarm fetish forum, Um, man on man armpits, because this is not solely a heteronormative idea or concept. You can find it basically anywhere with a consenting partner. Anybody that is willing to try this, there is very low risk. Um, The one thing I will say that you should do about um, staying safe is realizing that sometimes the location that you're in can change the legality of certain things. I know that um, in Singapore pretty recently, a man was arrested and sentenced to 14 years, 14 years in jail and 18 strokes of a cane because he had been um, publicly trying to touch people's armpits. I don't know exactly what that means, but I'm sure you get the idea. And then there was a small study in the 80s by David Moskowitz and Michael Inn in the Journal of 
sexual addiction and compulsivity that actually showed links to bug chasing. So the idea that someone is trying to get some type of disease because of pubic lice, because you can actually get pubic lice in armpit hair. So people wanting to get or to spread pubic lice through having sex with someone's armpit. Now, we tend not to have a lot of pubic hair. We tend not to have a lot of armpit hair in our society now, at least in Western societies. And in general, pubic lice are in grave danger of extinction because of that. So I would say you can easily opt out of the bug chasing mentality when it comes to this one. Anyways, to recap, today we talked about mashalagnia, armpit fetishes. We talked about axillism, having sex with an armpit. We talked about all of the different hormones we produce and how they're different when we're aroused than when we're just working out. We talked about different ways that we can prove that smells are super critical to the way we communicate with each other, we seek connection, and we express sexual attention. We talked about different people and their ideas about disorders that this could cause and how those people need to seriously take a back seat and let people enjoy their bodies. We talked about the fact that this is a lot more common than we think and that there's perfectly good reasons to want to explore all of our partner's body parts if they're okay with it. We talked about why people say they like it from the people who actually like it, where you can find it, how to be safe, how to prevent you know, the ingestion of things that you shouldn't be eating like deodorant, and how to stay away from those bug chasers that are just trying to either give you germs and diseases or take them from you, and hopefully learned about a new fun fetish that we could try if we felt like it. That's all for today. Thanks for listening and I'll check you out next time. This has been another podcast of Haven Space. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Haven Space by Sarah and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Haven Space by Sarah. If you enjoyed this talk, consider becoming a patron and helping fund more talks like this in the future.